Again, my name is Ryan Tu. I'm the missions minister here at First Baptist McKinney. And I think a lot of us have been journeying for a while. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about some of the journeys I've been walking through lately. And so uh, as we just think through that, um, think through the journeys you've been walking on. Do you have peace in your life? Do you have peace in your life? Do you have peace in your life in the way that it just is, in the things that are to come, in the way that you're living? Are you fully satisfied? Do you have purpose? Are you living in that purpose? For the things that are lacking, for the things that you're still wishing for, do you have peace? Are you content? Well, today we're going to be in Romans 15 because it's 2222 and it's the year of Romans for our church. So I encourage you, if you've never uh, opened the Bible, if you're new to the Bible, Romans is about three-fourths of the way through. You can go to your index in the front. It'll point you to the right page number. You can go ahead and start flipping to Romans, Romans 15. And as you do so, I want to share a little journey that I got to go on here recently. This is Steve Hyde and his wife, Noit. They live in Cambodia. A few weeks ago, I got to go visit them and really think about, hey, how can we work with you guys this upcoming year. They're one of our longtime mission partners here. And a member of our church, Tim Smith, got to go with me. And so we got to go to Cambodia and see all the work that's been happening. And again, kind of scouting a few things that we can be a part of this next year. Well, Steve had told us, hey, I'm going to take you to some faraway places. So again, we're going to go on a bit of a journey. So pack your stuff. Uh, we got there and then we kind of went off on a four-day excursion. And we packed everything. I mean, we just brought our luggage with us, so I had my computer, my passport, my wallet, everything in my backpack, and he says, hey, our first place that we're going to, we're going to have to get on a ferry. We have to get on a ferry to go over there, and there's a river that we always have to cross, but this time of year, it's been rainy season, so there's a lot of flooding, half the town's underwater, you'll see that, and uh, this is Tim and myself, and Kim Hong, one of the associates with Steve, and uh, we're sitting on the ferry, behind us is about a thousand ducks in a truck, next to our truck, and a few motorbikes, Always an experience. Um, and so we get on this ferry and we start looking out at where we're going. Well, as we walked onto the ferry, if you've ever been in developing country, things aren't always super solid. Steve says, hey guys, just so you know, um, these things don't always make it. Like sometimes they, they sink and like one, two weeks ago, like actually sunk. And I, I don't think it was managed very well. We should be fine. All peace out the window. Tim and I are looking at each other thinking, man, like seriously, we got everything. Everything in our bags. Like if this thing goes down, okay, so Steve, if this thing goes down in your experience, what do we do? And he had three tips of advice. Number one, swim away. <laughs> when the thing goes under the water, get away from it. It'll be sinking. Number two, he goes, hey, when you're swimming, it's really hard to swim with pants on. It's just like while you're, while you're trying to get away from the boat, pull your pants off because you'll swim better. And then we'll get to the shore. Again, really encouraging. And then he says, oh, uh, yeah, and if we get to the shore, because Tim asks, so what then? He goes, we'll see what happens next. We'll go from there. Now, again, if you've ever hung out with a missionary, this is very normal. <laughs> That's just the way they think. But to us, I mean, two guys who, you know, probably enjoy the comfort of a little air conditioning and, you know, 21st century America, this is just a little jarring. And again, our peace being rocked. Our peace being challenged. Do you have peace in your life? Do you have peace in your life right now? Here's what I believe God is going to show us today in Romans 15. That we must be filled with Christ for our journey with Christ. 
You must be filled with Christ for your journey with Christ. And again, the text that God's going to use by the writing of Paul has several layers in it. And we're going to see that generosity, service, prayer, these all add to. These all continue to fill us up. So please, as we go to Romans 15, verses 22 to 33, let's stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 22. This is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia, I've been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints of Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For the Gentiles have come to share in the spiritual blessings. They ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When, therefore, I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by Lord Jesus Christ, and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. Did you hear those dynamite verses? These are like the memory verses we usually dwell on, right? At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem to bring aid to the saints. Or, you know, when you're thinking about encouragement, Lord, I need you. How about verse 24? I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. <laughs> These are not memory verses, typically. People don't often point to go, hey, go to the end of Romans, uh, go to the end of Romans 15, man. This is dynamite. It'll hit you right in the heart. So what's going on here? We're looking at Paul's travelogue, really. He's telling them, hey, and if you go back and read Romans 1, you'll see he's writing a typical letter. I long to see you. I can't wait to see you. I'm going to be coming to you guys. And then he takes a 14-chapter little hiatus from the logistics and preaches and teaches theology. Some of the best written theology ever. Romans, just rich in grace and truth and mercy and justice and Christian living. And then as he settles down on how we interact with the world as believers, he says, hey, I'm coming back. I'm going to come see you guys. Now let's talk a, a few plans. Now, we're going to see how what he has to say to them again, we must be filled with Christ for our journey with Christ. Paul's on a journey and he knows this. He's going to share this with them. So, starting in verse 22, we see, this is what Paul has to say. This is the reason right here. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. Well, why is that? This is much like a therefore. When you see therefore, well, what is it therefore? Well, what's this reason? We kick off in verse 22. Well, if you just back up a few verses, verses 18, you see it. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. 
by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Elycrium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. He's on the move. He's sharing it. In verse 20, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. So again, he's saying, this is the reason I have not been able to come to you. This is where he's at right now. Paul, on his third missionary journey, he's been missioning for years. He's about to go visit churches that have already been established. There's not a lot of new churches developed in this mission. So he starts off from Antioch, moves over to Galatia. And again, he's visiting the saints that have been there. They've evangelized. People have come to faith. They've discipled them and gathered churches, and they built up the church here. And he moves all the way through, moves up into Macedonia per the dream, and moves all the way down into Corinth, an already established church. And this is where he writes Romans. This is where he writes this letter. And he's telling Rome right here, hey, guys, I'm coming to you, but first I got to go back to Jerusalem. I got to go back and bring aid to the saints. They're hurting. They, they're in need. These other churches have given money. I'm going to bring it to them. So back to our scripture. That's the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. Verse 23. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. He just said I no longer have work to do in this region of tens of millions of people. That's a ludicrous statement. How can he say that? This apostle, he knows it has to happen. Well, if we back up the map just for a second, again, just to give you perspective, Jerusalem and these parts, Antioch where he started here. And again, he's moving through the region all the way down to Corinth, where he's now writing this letter to Rome. And he's telling them, hey, I'm gonna double back, I'm gonna come back to Jerusalem, and then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna bring my journey to you. But it does not stop there, because my journey comes here, to Spain, to the ends of the earth. Paul is on the move. He's going to the unreached people groups of the world. He knows what the mission is. But for him to say, I no longer have work here, that's crazy. Tens of millions of people. A good amount of churches. So what's left? How does this work? It's the church's job. Again, they evangelize, disciple those who came to faith, and they build up the church. And now, Paul the apostle is the one to go to the ends of the earth. Who's doing this leftover work? In all these regions, it's the church. The church is on mission for multiplication. This is what the church does. The church evangelizes. It disciples and it plants churches. This is the kingdom come. And he's telling them, I'm coming to you. But why would Paul give so much effort and attention and just give his life away to this? It's the gospel. The gospel. Interpreted as, translated as the good news. And this is the good news, that the Lord created this world perfect. He wanted to be with you and me. He wanted to walk with man. But quickly, about two pages into the Bible, we see that sin enters the world and destroys everything. The goodness, the perfection, the relationship. 
the man instantly runs away from God. Because that is our nature. That is our sin nature. And now we live in this world of brokenness. We see it all around us. Has been said, the headlines coming in on your phone every week, every day. We see it in war. We're going to see it this week as people bicker over all sorts of stuff. We feel it in our own lives. And we often try to get away from it. We want to medicate it. We want to resist this broken world, so we do things that make us maybe feel satisfied. If I get that family I always wanted, I will then feel satisfied. If I get that job I always wanted, I will then feel satisfied. If I get the money that I want, that just security, just that nest egg, all things will be well. Where we live in our day, the other things that plague us, how about when we just want to numb it? Whether intentionally or unintentionally, scrolling, watching Netflix, whatever it is, spending hours just melting away. Because what happens is all those things go away, they're all fleeting, and they all come back, and you just realize the brokenness in our, in our world. But here's the good news. The bad news, the good news follows. That Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, the Chosen One, the Anointed One, has created a doorway out of the brokenness. He wants to restore relationship with you. He wants to restore relationship with those who he has called, with those whom he loves. So he came down as God in the flesh. And he lived the perfect life that we could not, a sinless life. He healed. He built relationship. He loved on people. He performed miracles. He fed people. And he proclaimed the good news of the gospel. He proclaimed that the kingdom was to come. And then he was marched to his death. That he died on the cross. He took on your sin punishment, my sin punishment. That he took this on for you, for me, for the love of the world. That the penalty of sin is death and he took it. God himself in human form has taken this death on the cross. But it does not stop there. Because this is good news that sin has been taken care of. But even better news that three days later he was raised from the grave. That our God is a living God. That Jesus is not dead. He is living. He now sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And he says, all those who come to me will be forgiven. If you call on the name of Jesus, you'll be forgiven from that sin. You'll be forgiven from that shame. All those things that you struggle with, that you're fighting with, that you just hate about yourself. He's a gentle, good God. He's a sweet shepherd to his sheep. And all he offers is forgiveness to you, love. If you just call on him to be Lord of your life, as the Bible says, to repent and believe, turn away from the sin. Say, Lord, I'm sorry, take over. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe who you are. Just take over my life. And this is his promise to you, that he will make you a new creation. That his Holy Spirit will reside in you. And the way that he will see you is as God sees his son. Perfect. That's the way God sees his saved children. His loved children. His sons and daughters. Those in Jesus. God sees is perfect. He loves them. And he does not stop there. Because he has a mission and a purpose for your life. And he sends those back into the world. To go tell of this good news. 
There was a time in my life when I felt so alone and so lost. Then I met Jesus. And now I belong, I have purpose. Do you have a story like that? Because Paul did. Paul was changed. Paul had to live on mission. He did not have a choice. He always wanted it. He had to live it out. And so as we're going to see today again, that we must be filled with Christ for your journey with Christ. We must be filled with Christ for your journey with Christ. And it starts with that salvation. It starts with knowing Jesus, for being forgiven by Jesus, for resting in Jesus. And so in verse 22... We get to look back at this mission and how he has moved in and now this hope of generosity. Because if we're going to be filled, there's certain things that continue to fill and generosity is one of those and Paul lays this out starting in verse 24. He says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I've enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings. They ought, to also, uh, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. Again, he's just stopping by. Now, let's look at verse 26. This word, contribution, yes, it means giving. Giving funds. But the root word here is koinonia. If you're familiar with that word, it's the word where we get fellowship, community, this Christian thing where we gather together and share our lives with one another. That's what this contribution is. It's a giving of themselves. It's a giving of their life. And yes, a giving of their finances. So as you pack your bag for your life, as you think about the things that you're gonna take on the journey with you, we'll cut to the chase. There are things that are perishable and things that are unperishable. I urge you, pack the things that cannot fade away. So, what does that look like? I believe it looks like the usual things we hear. Time, talent, and treasure. Time, it's fleeting. Students, this is a clock if you've never seen one before. <laughs> Sorry. This clock actually clicks backwards, but still tells the correct time. It's given to me as a joke. But your time is fleeting. Your days are ordained. How are you using them? How are we being generous with our lives? Where do we get the motivation for this generosity? Jesus. The gospel is the motivation and the mobilization. It sends us, it makes us want to because Christ did it for us. I want to use my time for him. I want to use my time. I also want to use my talent. For the sake of space, this is my son's t-ball trophy. <laughs> Let's be frank, not the most talented of teams. But guess what? They had a ball. And when the Lord is using you, when your gifts are being used, when the way that he has uniquely wired you to work in the church, to be on mission for him, whether local or global, that's a sweet thing. That's a satisfying thing. A lot of us know what that's like. When you're in your sweet spot, when you're in your lane, 
and the Lord is using you for his glory, you are filled up. Your time, your talent. And then, of course, this is the hard one, the sensitive, sensitive one for us all. Your treasure. Yes, these are fake. I'm not going to go to my bank account and print out all these little ones to stack these things up. Your treasure. Again, this is a safety place for a lot of us. This is security, a safety blanket. Are we being radically generous? Jesus gave his life, and now we get to give back to him. We get to worship him through our own generosity. And a lot of us struggle with this, but Randy Alcorn says it like this. Giving isn't a luxury of the rich. It's a privilege of the poor. Let's say that again. Giving isn't a luxury of the rich. It's a privilege of the poor. These churches that we're giving to the saints in Jerusalem to support them, many of them poor. Yes, the rich can give more. And the poor can give monetarily less. But each, each gives their portion. And that's what makes up the church. The Lord has gifted these things to us. May we utilize them and steward them well. But we don't do this out of compulsion. Someone once said that the last thing to get baptized on somebody is their wallet. We've got a tight grip on these things. We live in a prosperous time here. And the Lord has uniquely positioned this church, has uniquely positioned our time and our age and you to be a part of the global mission through great generosity. As 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. Do you love giving? Is it better, is it really better for you to give than receive? I was talking to someone about this the other day, and they just reminded me, there is no testimony of someone who gave radically, who was just uber generous and said, man, it stinks. That was the worst experience of my life. I hate being generous. There's no one with that kind of testimony. Their testimony usually looks like, man, I really wrestled, I really wrestled, and I didn't want to do it, but God was just pressing on me, and we were praying about it, and then someone challenged me, and guess what? I did it. And it was the best thing for me. It was a blessing. This is being filled up in the process, in the journey. Because if you just squeeze your hands super tight, feel your nails digging in, it gets tiring after a while. Man, releasing feels good. That's relaxing. That's rest. That's peace. Now, I'm not worried about those dollars and cents because God's got it. So again, how are you using your time, talent, and treasure? Let's volunteer. Let's serve. Serve the church and serve outside the church. We got Dean Al coming up. Go down the hallway and give your house away for a weekend. See what happens. You will be blessed. Yes, things will break in your house, maybe. You might lose a little bit of sleep. But when you know that the Lord used your brick and mortar to house ministry, to see a student come to faith and meet Jesus for the first time, and their eternity changed, does it get any sweeter than that? When you know that the way that he's uniquely wired you is being used in his body, is being used in his church, when you know that he has purposed you for something, use those gifts, use those talents. And may we be generous, not tight-fisted, but loving, generous with our lives and generous with our money. And then Paul says this in verse 27. 
for they were pleased to do it. And indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in their material blessings. So let me ask you this. Who do you owe for your faith? Who do you owe for your faith? For me, yes, the Holy Spirit, God's ordained calling, the function and work of the church, but thank God for the legacy of faith in my family, that for generations believers have been faithful to steward that and share that gospel and disciple their homes. So at the age of 10 or 11, I got to sit with my parents and start asking the questions. I owe it to them for my faith. May I honor them and be generous to them. Who was it that brought the gospel to you? Who did the Lord use to bring you to himself? Was it that youth worker that just kept pestering you and not leaving you alone and just kept calling you and texting you and trying to get with you? Because you know why? Because they're doing that thing where they're sent back into the world. They're bringing the gospel to you. Was it a coworker? Was it a ministry? Yes, you can write them a check, but there's a lot of different ways to bless. Spend time with them. Love them. Send them notes of encouragement. Text them right now. Text them at lunch. Text them while you're watching football. Brother, sister, thank you so much for stewarding, for being that vessel. Paul shows us how Christ-like generosity fills us up. But now, we'll see it in service. Verse 29. Paul says, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Read that again. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. What a statement. Has anyone ever said that to a friend, a neighbor, someone you're coming to visit? I, sh I, I can tell you I did not say that to Steve when I was coming to Cambodia. Paul says it like this, not like I think, I, I hope, I'm counting on. No, he says, I know. I know that when I come to you, I'll come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Do you know for a fact? Do you have that kind of confidence when you walk into the workplace, you're bringing the fullness of the blessing to Christ? Hey guys, Jesus is here because I'm here. I got a blessing for y'all. When you walk into school, does it feel like that? When you walk into the marketplace, when you come home from work, when you walk into your house or when you wake up, are you thinking, man, I'm, I'm bringing the fullness of the blessing of Christ to these people? Whew. I mean, I work at a church. I don't feel like that most days when I come into the office. That's a big statement. How, how, how do you get that kind of confidence? How do, you, how do you know that every time you interact with someone, just Jesus is spilling out? I got to meet someone the other day. Um, his name is Kyle. And as you do, you exchange pleasantries. Hey, where do you work? Who do you know? Oh, you're from Dallas. Cool. Yeah, we spent some years in, down there. So you start comparing notes and find out. He says, oh, you know Chris Havard. Yeah, he's our executive pastor. I said, great. Let's send him a little picture. Let him know that we've met. So I take a selfie with Kyle, send it to, to Chris. And this was Chris's response. Chris says, I love that guy. The demons in Dallas know his name. Whew. The demons in Dallas know that guy's name. That'll punch. That guy, just from that affirmation, that, that compliment, I think that guy might be walking around with the fullness of the blessing of Christ. 
And after we talked, I heard his stories about how he evangelizes people in the cities and he's helping plant churches. Do the demons know your name? Are you on the top of their list when they're doing their daily organization, going out to attack the kingdom? Are they scared of you? Do they hate interacting with you? Because there's so much Holy Spirit bleeding out of you and into the world that they've just given up on it and just let you roll? Or are they given up on you because you're just not on the list? Because they don't even know your name. I have moments, seasons, you're just not moving. I think we all want a life of abundance. John 10, 10, a life of abundance that Jesus promises. This usually comes with adventure. This usually comes with service. This usually comes as we go out into the world. Because again, we're not just putting sin to death at the cross. Jesus then is raised to life. There's resurrection power that you get to walk around with. This is a new life. You're a new creation that God wants to use. But how do we be filled up? How do we continue to do this on a daily basis? Well, again, what are you packing that's imperishable? The word of God written on your heart. Sitting in the word, reading about the word, the John 1-1 word, Jesus. Learning of him, knowing him, building that relationship. Letting what you put in your mind bleed down to your heart and start to move your hands. Let gravity do its job. I get to walk, it's just a privilege to walk with men and women in this church who do that with so much vigilance. Watching Sam and Justin on a weekly basis, I can testify to the fact that there is genuine time with Jesus spent. Time in prayer, time in the word, because that's what bleeds out, right? Me and Justin were talking about this. We must be heralders of the gospel. A heralder, again, this New Testament word for gospel, euangelion, just means good news. And back in the day, it's when you're announcing a new kingdom. War turns over. You have to come to the new city and tell everybody because they don't have any screens or any technology. And so a heralder would come in and pronounce the good news. And they often didn't do it. Real boring. Real quiet. Hey, guys, new king. No. They would come in and say, hey, there's a new king. We are all changing the way that we live. And now his name is Jesus. This new king's name is Jesus. And there's a new kingdom coming. Repent and believe he is good and he is full of forgiveness. This is the new kingdom we get to operate in. The heralders need to pronounce this. And this is why I believe those men get to do this so well. That's why I believe Sam on a weekly basis is testing the structural integrity of this thing as he, as he just wants to bust out of the gates and tell you about Jesus. Alexander McLaren says it like this. He who has the Holy Spirit in his heart and the scriptures in his hands has all he needs. He who has the Holy Spirit in his heart and the scriptures in his hands has all he needs. Because in the end, we are to also live like Christ. We must seek the lost, befriend the sinner, be near to the brokenhearted, share the good news of the kingdom to come. Tell them about their Savior. Give your life away. There you will find it. Romans 12.1, be a living sacrifice. I got to talk to a sweet man lately about evangelism. We share that good news. And he goes, you know that feeling 
when you know you should or you're about to, you enter into that spiritual conversation and the blood's boiling, and you get nervous, you don't want to be a fool and you feel like you're going to offend them, whatever that is. He says, you know what that is? He says, that's death. That's dying to yourself. That's getting over your fears. That's, that's these fears taking over. And guess what? You start to work through them. As the Lord fills you up to continue to proclaim the gospel of the good news of his kingdom, of his love, of his grace, of his mercy. We must die to ourselves, give away our lives, and there we will find them. Every time we're walking around, if we've done these things, we're being filled up daily, like, a, like a, being poured up to overflow, like a cup or bowl that just can't be held together. Because every time you bump into someone, every time you bump into something, the Holy Spirit is just spilling out all over everybody. Every time you walk into the workplace, people are just ignited when you walk in. Or they think you're weird. Because you're always smiling, you're always so nice, you're serving other people. What are you doing? I have the fullness of the blessing of Christ. It's because you've been steeping in his word, you've been walking with him. But first, again, you must be a citizen of the kingdom. This is my passport. It gets me in, gets me out. It also says, hey, that embassy down the street, I belong to them. These little embassies that we're gathering in, a kingdom within the kingdom, we are the ambassadors. We go tell the good news and we bring people in to this kingdom that has not fully been realized, an invisible kingdom within all the nations. The church is ushering in God's kingdom, heaven on earth. But first, again, are you a citizen? Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you called upon his name? Just simply believe. And as we go, we get more filled up. Because what is the result? It's fulfillment, it's purpose. Being in God's will is the most peaceful place to be. But as we look at service, then Paul moves on in verse 30. He shows us how prayer plays a role in being filled up. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers, those refusing to be persuaded, in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem might be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed. He wants to rest with them in their company. Paul is simply asking for help by prayer. When we were in Cambodia, we finished that ferry ride, and we got to the inn where there was a house church. We got to see them ministering to one another. They were actually being trained with their pastors on deliverance, on spiritual warfare. How do we deal with this? Because it is alive and well where they are at. And the church is constantly fighting against it. And then we got to go see other house churches and how they began. But how did they even get there? I mean, these places are far away from where the Hydes live the missionary who lives there. Well, he's been there for almost 30 years. About 27 years ago, he was having very little traction. And he told us, yeah, we just weren't getting anywhere. I kind of, I figured the language out and I started talking in Khmer and being able to talk to the Cambodian people, but we just couldn't really get over the hump. And I was trying to figure this thing out. So his little team of believers, they said, you know what, let's just pray. Let's just ask God what he wants to do. So he spent three days praying, singing hymns and songs, 
reading the word of God. They did it for three days, singing hymns and songs, reading the word of God, praying, praying, singing, reading. They did this for three days. No movement. And Steve said, hey, guy, at the end of three days, he said, hey, guys, I got nothing. Anybody else got something? And one of the gentlemen raised his hand. He said, the Lord's put a city on my mind. I would try to pronounce it to you, but I, I, I just can't. He said, we need to go there. There's a man of peace there. There's someone that the Lord has prepared for us there. So they go. And they share the gospel. They meet this gentleman, a man of peace, who's open to the ideas of the Christian way. And the man comes to faith. And then they see some more people come to faith, and they gather a church there. Over the next 30 days, more than 44 house churches were planted on a bedrock of prayer. Fast forward 27 years, you know what that, those churches have done? Exactly what we saw on the map. They evangelized, they discipled, and they planted churches. Now there's over 8,000 house churches in Cambodia. Praise God. There are now hundreds and hundreds of thousands of believers in Cambodia. Still a vast minority where they live. But the gospel is being ushered into this country. Unreached people groups are being found and coming to faith because all tribes and all tongues will be there in the end when we see Jesus. And Paul is saying, please pray with me as I go. There are obstacles, unbelievers who hate me. Because prayer truly is a part of ushering in the kingdom. Think about Jesus' prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Simply calling on God's will to happen. And his will is that all nations will come to him and worship him. So how are we praying? How's your prayer life? I can tell you just this past week, I had a couple of really bad days. Not just in prayer, but just in a lot of things going on. I'll be honest, I wasn't very prayerful about it. And it was a fight. I tried to do it on my own strength. It was taxing and wearing out. I walked into the weekend having to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I was trying to muscle up on that one, and I didn't come to you. I didn't, I didn't just give it to you. I didn't rest at your feet before I tried to go and do all the work. This is why the resource of time is such a big deal. Because you have to give away your time in order to pray. It is anti-American. 2022, where we're at, think about all the things buzzing around. Pass around to sports, we got our screens on, your work is pestering you because they have 24-7 access to you. Oh, and yeah, we got to spend time watching the, the game and all this stuff. And Man, if we would just have that self-discipline, empowered by the Holy Spirit to say, all right, Lord, you get this 10 minutes. And guess what? The more you do it, you're going to say, you get this 30 minutes. The more you do it, you're going to say, you get this hour. Fine, you get my bedtime. I'm going to bed early so I can rise early. It just reorients everything. Changes the way that you live. Because you have set with your Savior. Because you have fellowshiped with him. You've had community with the Father. So how are we praying? I encourage you, pray for the nations. Pray for the church across the world. There's three billion people who have still yet to hear the name of Jesus. But unreached people groups are being reached. The gospel is spreading. Pray for those being persecuted. Pray for God's kingdom. 
Pray for the kingdom that we live in. Pray for our leaders this week on both sides. Pray for them. Pray for your church leaders, those laboring. Pray for your group leaders, your life group, those who are giving of themselves on the side of all the other things that they do, coming to faithfully teach the word and minister to you and fellowship with you. Who's discipling you? Pray for them. Who are you discipling? Pray for them. Make time. And Paul closes with this in verse 33. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. May the God of peace be with you all. Again, do you have peace in your life? First, do you have peace with God? That he will deal with sin. He will deal with brokenness. And forgiveness is offered for all those who call the name of Jesus. Just simply tell him now. God, save me. Jesus, I believe. I'm sorry. I turn from my sin. Rescue me. And he will give you peace. But again, we must be filled with Christ in our journey with Christ. So do you have peace about the way that you're living? Do you have peace about the way that you use these imperishables that he gives you? Because when all else fades away, what is left? Your salvation. Not your money, but the way you spent your money. Not your time, but the way you spent your time. Not your life, but the way you used it. Were you on the move? These are not mine, by the way. These are my sons. Packed them for space reasons. Are you on the move for God? Are you going? Are you walking around in the fullness of the blessing of Christ? Does he have you at work against the enemy, making demons flee? Have you been filled with Christ? Are you journeying with Christ? Because we experience this through generosity, service, and prayer. Paul has shown us this. If you've ever heard this, our missions team has been saying this for years, and you'll see it posted around, printed around. We say pray, give, and go. This is how we live on mission. This is what we just talked about. Generosity, service, prayer. Pray, give, and go. Pray for how the Lord can use you. Give generously to his work and go be a part of it. And we all have a role in this. The missionaries are not the only ones who are zealous for the nations. The whole church should be. The whole church is. I think we all want that. But many of us are thinking, how do I play a role in that? I'm not called to that. And that's good. That's okay. God calls certain people to go. He called Steve to go. And he used Steve mightily. And guess what? Now that nation is sending out people to other nations around them. Because it's about the work here and the work there. Always. Both and. Be on the move. Let him use you. Pray, give, and go. Be filled with Christ. Because again, verse 33, may the God of peace be with you all. Amen. We use this word a lot. Amen. Preach it. It means that let it be true. Let it be true. Is it true for you? Do you have peace with God? Do you have peace with how all these things for you are being used? Because in the end, that's what is going to matter. So may we pray for God's work, give radically to God's work, go be a part of God's work. He loves you. 
And he has a purpose for you. So for you, me, all of us, may we be filled with Christ for our journey with Christ. Let's pray. God, we love you. Jesus, we thank you for your life, for your blessing, for your love for us. May we never forget it. Because we find rest in you, we find rest in salvation. It's not about what we do. But yes, you've called us to then go back into the world to share this good news, to make disciples, to build up the church, to watch the church expand because the church worships you. We love you, God. We thank you for your word. Would you lead us as we go out this week and remind us that we too can walk with the full blessing of Christ. To your glory and to the good of those who love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.